in my eyes, he's the greatest to ever do it. This guy is our quarterback, man. He's our leader of our team, and I want nothing more than to see him back in a, in a Packer uniform. We, we want him back. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I know I use this hypothetical a lot, so sorry for the redundancy, but I think it, it works in this instance. If I have kids one day and they ask me, Dad, what was the hardest part of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic? Assuming it's over by then, so probably like 20 years from now. Because, Dad, what was the hardest part of the COVID-19 pandemic? Was it the election? No, son. Was it the, the social and, 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 and racial unrest? No, daughter. No, it wasn't. It wasn't any of that. It was... The Thursday in April, April 29th, 2021. It was the Thursday where in the span of about six hours from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. where we thought Aaron Rodgers was going to get traded. That was the most stressful day, which means, first of all, I'm joking a little bit, but how privileged am I if that's the most stressful day of my entire two years of a pandemic? It was the most stressful day I've lived through in a while. Like with Brett Favre, there were years and years of buildup. Right back and forth about possibly retiring and being upset at Tez and going to get Randy Moss. Aaron Rodgers took three or four years worth of complaints in the case of Favre and packed it into like literally four hours. I felt like I just fought six rounds with Mike Tyson at the end of Thursday night. That day, that sucked the very life out of me. All of my fandom energy, all my love for sports, really a lot of my love for being alive just sucked right out of my body and if one day I'm lucky enough to meet someone and have children and they say dad what was the hardest part of the pandemic I will say uh, Thursday April 29th the day that Aaron Rodgers suddenly became unhappy and then he almost got traded almost it's the it's it's the Wisco sports show and my name is Grant Bills we're not going to dwell entirely on Aaron Rodgers today I think everybody has talked about Aaron Rodgers really from start to finish since last Thursday which is completely and totally fair. It's the biggest story for the Packers in years. Because God knows they haven't been making any Super Bowls and the NFC Championship losses just all start to pile together. So probably the biggest story in the last decade for the Packers outside of Jordan Love. And we're living through it. So naturally, that's going to get a lot of talk. That's going to get a lot of run. Not just on local radio and TV, but on the worldwide leader in sports. ESPN and Fox Sports 1 and NBC Sports Network and I don't Barstool, McAfee, all of it. It is the number one story right now. And we are going to talk about it, but not for the entire show. I do want to show the Brewers some love. They had an amazing weekend. They just continue to take care of business. TCB. So I do want to show the Brewers some love. And we need we need to show the Bucks some love after yesterday, too. They won probably won the biggest game of their season. One of them. I don't know. They play so many. It's difficult to rank them. It's not like the Packers where they play, you know, 15, 16, 17 games. It was certainly one of the most satisfying wins of the Bucs season yesterday over Brooklyn. So I want to talk about that too. But we are going to start with the Packers, the biggest story of probably the last decade for the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. And that is that Aaron Rodgers is unhappy. So let's dig into that. You can text the show and call the show 608-796-2558 if you want to be a part of things that way. I'll open up the phone lines here in about 15 minutes. You can text anytime. You can tweet anytime too at Wisco Grant. 
I want to start with the Packers, even though I, I think we're all fatigued. I, I We need to discuss this. We need to address this. Because last Thursday, the last time I was on the air, we were scrambling, right? Our reality in the matter of, what, four or five hours was completely shattered. I thought that original report from Adam Schefter, I thought it was fake. Because I love Sports Talk Barry. He's hilarious. And if anybody hates Sports Talk Barry, well, then you just don't like good comedy. Sorry, I love a good troll, all right? And there's no one better than Sports Talk Barry. And I've seen that exact tweet that Aaron Rodgers is unhappy. He's demanded a trade. He's told Green Bay that he wants out. I've seen that trade and that tweet, what? Dozens of times over the last couple of years from Sports Talk Barry and fake Twitter accounts. And when I saw Adam Schefter tweet that news out, I looked at the name. I looked at the handle. I looked at the timestamp. I looked at it all like 10 times over because I was convinced it was fake. Like our reality was shattered on Thursday. And when the show started at 4 p.m., I, like, I thought we were going to be talking about the draft. No. No, sir. Right? We were reacting to this news on the fly where we were trying to put our thoughts together on the fly and just kind of pick ourselves up off the floor. Now we've had a couple of days to soak in the news. And I took Friday off, which, by the way, I will not apologize for. And you should never apologize for taking a day off either. I got some texts. won't say from who. I got some tweets from listeners like, what are you doing? Wait, what are you doing taking the day off? I don't know. I'm a human being. I, I, I need a break here and there. This is my job. Like, I, I, this is really fun talking about sports and I love it. But occasionally I, I do need a day off. I needed one Friday. Thursday burned me out. I, that, that burned me out like no other sports day has ever burned me out before. And I needed a day off. And it sucks because I listen to a bunch of sports radio too. And I hate it when my favorite hosts take even one day off. Because then what am I supposed to listen to? But never apologize for taking a day off. We work so hard in this country. Right now, 9 to 5, like I'm going to grind. Nay, not 9 to 5, like 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah, 12, 13, 14 hour days. But when you take a vacation day, you deserve that vacation day. And don't let anybody make you feel bad for taking it. That's a PSA to start today's show. So anybody who's anybody who's hating on me for taking a day off on Friday, I needed it. I won't apologize for it. Although I'm glad to be back today. I'm very, very excited for the show. So we've had four days. We've read all the reports, sifted through things, and now I'm ready to talk about it. Here's the timeline of kind of how Thursday went and how things have developed over the weekend and into today. I thought Bill Huber, Sports Illustrated, did a really good job concisely putting these events in a timeline. And I'm just going to read directly from his Sports Illustrated article because he lays it out perfectly. It says, on Thursday, ESPN.com reported Rodgers no longer wants to play for the Packers. After Packers general manager Brian Gutekind said on Thursday night he would not trade Rodgers, Ian Rappaport reported Rodgers would consider retirement. On Saturday, a source within Rodgers' camp told Yahoo that Rodgers won't return to the team unless the Packers fired Brian Gutekinds. Now today, just out of left field, Ian Rappaport said that the Packers are releasing Jay Kumaro. Almost, uh, or excuse me, Ian Rappaport said today that the Packers releasing Jake Kumaro almost immediately after Aaron Rodgers praised him was described as a death knell in their relationship. So just out of nowhere, Ian Rappaport today is like, well, actually, Rodgers has been mad since they released Kumaro, which I'm like, why the hell do we, what? Why do we, he's a practice squad player for the Bills last year. Who cares about Kumaro? I reached out to sources today, quote unquote sources. Nobody could confirm. My source, by the way, my only source on anything is, uh, is our guy, Zach Heil. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heil Print. Actually, not only Zach uh, could not confirm, he didn't get back to me, but I assumed that he appreciated my message. And Zach, I hope you're having a good day. I know that you, although you didn't respond, you feel the same way towards me, friend. Thank you. <laughs> could not confirm with our guy, Zach. That was true. Jake Kumaro, of course. Yeah, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Last Thursday on the show, I was very pro-Rogers. And I think 
like Aaron Rodgers and like a lot of Packers fans, I think our frustration with the Packers has bubbled up and it came to a head last week and it must have came to a head for Aaron Rodgers. And I think in the process, it came to a head with a lot of fans too. This past decade, since the Packers made and won that Super Bowl, it has been one organizational fumble after another. Now, none of these mistakes and fumbles are that bad individually, right? Like, go year by year on this thing. Okay, 2011, they had a bad loss. They got beat by the Red Hot Giants. Okay, Super Bowl hangover. It's a lot, that happens. 2013 and 2012, those are the Kaepernick years. Just embarrassing display of defensive incompetence. You let a quarterback run for over 200 yards against you in a playoff game. You were embarrassed. Okay, 2014, you have historically bad collapse. Okay, like that happens to teams every once in a while. Happened to the Bears and the Vikings with their field goal kicking. It happened to the Falcons in the Super Bowl. All right, every once in a while that happens. Football's wild. Sports are crazy. That was 2014. 2015, now McCarthy and his offense start to go in the tank. Jordy Nelson gets hurt, and they can't do anything on offense. Now, the defense is okay, but the next year in 2016, the offense doesn't get any better, and now the defense goes in the tank, so that side of the, the team is falling off. And then in 2017, 2018, all of this came to a head. The defense sucks. The offense sucks. Rodgers gets hurt, which really prompts the change. They let go McCarthy. And then in 2019, the offense is improved a little bit. The defense is still pretty good, and then they just decide to give up 200 yards rushing in the NFC Championship game. Okay, great. That's the last decade for the Green Bay Packers. And like I said, none of those losses are embarrassing and bad by themselves. You sometimes have an ugly loss in the playoffs. You run into a hot team. You, you miss an onside kick. It happens. But when it's one thing after another, year after year after year for an entire decade, then it's all of a sudden not okay. And I think my frustration with the Packers, and maybe Rogers' frustration too, it's not necessarily tied to one event, but it's simply the entire last 10 years where we're just left thinking, like, figure it out. Like, at some point, you have to figure it out. Like, I don't want to hear, oh, Kaepernick was a generational runner. Okay. Oh, 2014, it was the onside kick. Okay. Well, in 2016, the defense sucked. Oh, in 2018, McCarthy and the offense fell off. Like, individually, these things sometimes happen. But year after year after year for 10 years, you're inventing ways to lose. Figure it out. And I think Rodgers, on top of other things, the Jordan Love pick and possibly some, some, you know, being cut out of personnel decisions in the front office or at least not even getting a heads up on personnel decisions, he's ticked. And I get it. And last Thursday, I was all on Team Rogers for the reasons that I just stated. Now, four days later, I'm not so sure. Now, the idea that there are teams here, right, that I have to decide whether I'm Team Rogers or Team Packers, right, like, that's dumb. And I hear the same arguments that we heard back in 2008. Like, oh, I'm Team Rogers, right? He just won the MVP. Then the Packers would be nothing without him. And Aaron Rodgers will take you to the Super Bowl. The only place Jordan Love will take you to is the toilet bowl. Wait, actually, that was wrong quarterback crisis. That was 2018 with Rodgers and Favre. My, my bad. I get him confused because our organization is addicted to pissing off their legendary quarterbacks. That's what you would say if you're Team Rodgers. Team Packers, you'd say, well, I was a fan long before Rodgers, and I'll be a fan long after. And if he doesn't want to be here, good riddance, trade him. And he's dating Shailene Woodley, and he's a diva. And that word has been weaponized big time. And I lived through the 70s and the 80s, which I'm not really sure how that applies, but damn it, just about every Packers fan is going to bring it up anyways because it always manages to come up. Right? There are two teams. People are digging in. This is a complete rehash of 2008. Team Packers, Team Rogers. And you know what? Both sides are being stupid. I'm not saying fans. I'm saying Rogers camp, the Packers camp, both sides are being stupid. And it's us, it's the fans, who ultimately suffer from this. 
This coming to a head this offseason in 2020-2021 benefits no one. It doesn't benefit Rodgers. It doesn't benefit the Packers. It doesn't benefit anyone else on the roster. It doesn't benefit fans. It benefits no one. And I keep going back to this tweet from our pal Andy Herman, who does Pack-A-Day podcast. He's tremendous. He tweeted this last week. The Packers are all in on this year and need to break it down a year from now anyway. In a way, I'm really surprised that the Packers and Rodgers didn't just say, hey, let's do this one more year, and next year we'll trade you where you want to go. Seems like such an easy solution and a win-win. Yeah, it is an easy solution, and it's obvious. This is the year it's designed to go one more time and then for Rodgers to move on. That's how it's set up. But this isn't about football. This isn't about what's common sense, and this isn't about what's easy. This is about a bunch of insecure men who have completely let their egos run wild, and it's to the detriment of everyone involved. Everyone else on the team, Rodgers, the Packers, and most certainly the fans who just want to see their team, God, get to a Super Bowl for the first time in 12 years. Both sides are being stupid. Start with the Packers or Brian Gutekinds or however you want to label this team. Right? The Jordan Love pick started this. And I have mixed feelings on the Jordan Love pick because I want to like it, but I can't. I want to like it because in theory, the pick isn't terrible. You want to keep your options open. Aaron Rodgers was slightly declining. You had a prospect that fell to you. Maybe we don't have a chance to get another prospect like that, so you take him. Okay, the theory is there. In its most elemental state, the pick isn't a disaster. But in reality, this pick is a nightmare because there was no way this was ever going to end well. And it didn't end well in 2008. I love how, in retrospect, Packers fans were like, well, it worked out in 2008. No, it didn't. Brett Favre went to the division rival and should have made a Super Bowl, except the Saints were headhunting. And, of course, he threw an interception. You flip a coin, that game goes slightly different. Brett Favre makes a Super Bowl and wins. That didn't work out. Now, Aaron Rodgers turned out to be a really good quarterback of his, of his own creation. That's on Aaron Rodgers. That's nothing the Packers did. Yeah, they drafted the prospect, but Aaron Rodgers went on to, to make that decision look good over time. That, wasn't a, that didn't work out in 2008. That was a nightmare. This Jordan Love pick was never going to end well. I mean, think about all the possibilities here. Number one possibility is that Aaron Rodgers plays great and, and doesn't decline, and now you've wasted a first-round pick, and you're stuck with an expensive Aaron Rodgers and, and no first-round pick for that year. Okay, well, that's not a success. The other option is that Aaron Rodgers declines, and then Jordan Love steps in, but now you have to somehow move off of Aaron Rodgers, which is clunky, and it's going to cost you a bunch of money. There, there was no way that this was going to work out. The only reality in which this worked was that Aaron Rodgers got bad, Jordan Love turned into an all-pro, and Aaron Rodgers said, you know what, I'm going to retire, see you later, have a great life. That's a one in a million chance, and that's the chance that Brian Gutekind's bet on. That's a stupid bet. And Bart Winkler made that point last week. I thought it was a brilliant one. Brian Gutekind's in the selection, like, bet on the one in a million, which is never a good bet, right? And this is handled so poorly. No heads up for Rodgers. That's all ego because Brian Gutekind, oh, I should be able to take my quarterback without telling a damn soul. Okay, well, it's not how it works, right? And Mark Murphy needs to step in and be better than that. He was around in 2008. He should know how this works. You know that you can't keep your quarterback in the dark like that. So the Packers are being stupid. Rodgers is being stupid, too. And there are multiple fronts here. There are a lot of rumors and reports, and some could be exaggerated. But the rumor is Aaron Rodgers wants a new deal. Okay, well, he just got a new deal in 2008, and that was a deal that Brian Gutekunst and the Packers didn't need to give him. You can't just, like, I want a new deal, I want a new deal, I want a new deal. Well, this isn't a charity, man. This is a business to some extent. Even though I'm all about placating to your superstar quarterback to some extent. Well, you got three years left. You had three years left the last time you signed an extension. What the hell's the deal? Rumor is he wants Brian Gutekind fired. Like, okay, even the biggest Goody haters 
understand that that's not how it works. So Rodgers is being stupid. The Packers are being stupid, and this benefits no one. This isn't about football. This isn't about trying to win another Super Bowl. This is about ego from Brian Gutekunst and from Aaron Rodgers. And it's us, us fans who are taking it on the chin. It's our favorite team that could fall into shambles and drop off and our favorite quarterback who could leave. If Rodgers really wants to win a Super Bowl and that's what he's trying to do, Green Bay is the place. I understand Denver has a really good roster. Okay, but do you want to go join a division that has Patrick Mahomes and the Chargers who look to be pretty good? Denver's roster is not much better. And if Denver trades for Green Bay, they're going to lose some of that roster in the trade. I don't know why you'd want to go to Oakland. And San Francisco's a pipe dream. I don't think the Packers would ever trade him there. So if this is about winning, Green Bay's the place. The NFC is the easier conference. And the NFC North is a really, really winnable division. And if Goody and the Packers really want to win a Super Bowl, they would have done everything in their power to keep Rodgers happy. Even if you draft Jordan Love, maybe let the guy know. Just tell him. Just give him a call. And Mark Murphy needs to know that because he lived through this once already, which I brought up for the last few weeks. It blows my mind that this Packers front office that has literally done this before has fumbled this so poorly, has messed this up to such an extent. I don't get it. It's like they want this to happen because this was never going to end any other way, right? This Jordan Love thing was never going to pan out well. And it seems as though that the Jordan Love thing is only one complaint that Rodgers have in, in just a huge a huge basket of complaints, I guess. 608-796-2558. Send me a text. You can also tweet me at Wisco Grant. A couple of texts and tweets to get to. I actually do want to talk about the draft today as well. Let's talk about some of their first few picks. And yes, we'll weave Aaron Rodgers into the conversation. If you're sick of Rodgers, don't worry. We're talking Brewers coming up at 435. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It took me about five years to figure out what he meant, but he used to have this saying that he would say every once in a while. He's like, when things got tough, he would say, he's, well, they might kill you, but they won't eat you. And uh, I had no idea for about five years what that meant. But what it meant was you're just, you're just too damn tough. Brian Gutekinds quoting the late Ted Thompson on how to, uh, I actually don't know. I don't know what that means. Maybe you had to be there. Dealing with fan backlash, backlash from the rest of your team, from the rest of your front office. I I don't know how to stand tall in the face of criticism. Stand and deliver. Great film. Brian Gutekinst reflecting on his time with Ted Thompson, prompted by a very good question by friend of the show, Andy Herman of Pack-A-Day Podcast. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. It was a weekend, wasn't it? It feels good to kind of be back at center here. I took a vacation day Friday. It was... Much needed. Thank you for bearing with me. I said to start the show, I will not apologize for taking a vacation day. Right? We all need vacation. So if you ever take a day off, don't let people give you grief for it. We work too hard in this country. We work our you-know-what's off every day. We deserve to take a day off. But it is nice. I took three days, collected myself, got my thoughts in order, and now I feel a little bit more prepared to talk about some of these stories today, especially the Packers drama. A little Brewers news, by the way. They're sending Keston Hira down. Uh, with Tyrone Taylor because Yelich and Kane will be back tonight. Craig Council on sending him down. At this point, it's best for here to get to a different environment, maybe take some time off before he starts playing games again. We still believe Keston can be our primary first base. Just felt like we were getting farther from that than closer. Logical, makes sense. Of course, Craig Council always makes sense. So Kane and Yelich back tonight. It seems like Vogelback and Billy McKinney going to be their options at 
first base. Brewers tonight, 6.05, 6.10 first pitch, 5.35 pregame. So the Wisco Sports Show, we're going to take the last half hour and just and just, and just be done. Step aside for the Brewers broadcast. So only an hour and a half tonight, a little bit of a lighter show. Still a ton to talk about. Let's talk about the actual Packers draft. Oh, first, a couple of texts I got to get to. I'm sorry. Brett LaCrosse says, I have inside information from a Packers board member. Uh, that sounds excellent, Brett. Any please follow up. Go ahead. Te- text me that information. 608-796-2558. You stop before the juicy part, Brett. Uh, let's see. Josh texts in, tweets in rather, at Wisco Grant and says, of course, ESPN broke the story. The needed ratings and the draft needed ratings. Rodgers isn't going anywhere. So stop spreading fake news. Uh, I wish I was confident as you, Brett. First of all, like ESPN's going to break the story because they have Woj and Schefter. They break 80, 90% of all these stories. I don't know if the draft needed ratings. The draft jumps in ratings every single year. We were watching regardless. I think this leak from Rodgers and his camp was designed to get the most publicity possible, which was on draft day because people are already paying attention on draft day. I, I tweeted this this morning. I think a lot of Packers fans are in denial about what's going on. I think there's a substantial chance that Rodgers isn't a Packer this upcoming season. Now, I'm hopeful, but, I, like, it, I, I hear the same thing from everybody. Well, let's let's actually wait to hear from Rodgers. Man, you're not going to hear from Rodgers. Everything's communicated through the agents. Everything's done through leaks and through reporters and through insiders. The, the idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to all of a sudden hop on Instagram live today and put all these rumors to bed, you're dreaming. That's not going to happen. So I'm, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, Josh. I Rodgers is under contract, and I don't think the Packers are compelled to trade him. But I am not as confident as you are. Um, I think there's a strong possibility that he's not in Green Bay this upcoming season. Now, the draft is great. I really like the draft, even though it almost became an afterthought, at least once the Broncos made their pick. Because once Denver made that top 10 pick, I was like, okay, they're probably not going to trade for Rodgers. Because the Packers would have wanted that pick in return. So as the draft rolled on, I got a little bit more sure that Rodgers was going to stay in town. I really like this draft. At least the first three picks. I can't speak too much on the fourth round and later. I'll learn more as the days pass along. But I've been focusing on the first couple of rounds. All right, cornerback, interior line, wide receiver. Like I, that's, that's great. Those are positions they should be targeting. And I, and I want to be negative about this and say, Say something like, see, it's not that hard drafting for positions of need, getting players you can contribute right away. That would have been nice last year. I also think that last year's draft, maybe paired with this year's draft, creates a really good confluence of young talent between players last year that were drafted to contribute this year and beyond, and this year's draft, which is going to have a couple of players from the first few rounds that are ready to go from the jump, right? Eric Stokes, the corner, Josh Myers, the interior lineman from Ohio State, and Amari Rogers. Let's talk about a couple of these picks. Let's start with Eric Stokes, the first round pick. Probably the least scrutinized and least celebrated first-round pick in Packers history. We're all thinking about Rodgers on Thursday night. This raises your ceiling at cornerback. You're not now hoping for Josh Jackson to develop, although I think I think that would be a futile endeavor to hope for Josh Jackson to figure it out. Or like Kadar Holman, right? Eric Stokes has the traits to be a great corner, which I think at this point, Kadar Holman and, and Josh Jackson probably out of the question. When I first... Saw this pick. I knew he was fast. I had read that ahead of time. He runs a 4-2-5-40, which is very fast, I'm told. I don't know. 40s mean nothing to me. He's tall, which is a great combination. And he played at a big school in the SEC, so faced great competition. You might be thinking, wow, Grant, that's a great way to summarize a pick. Wow, those are good bullet points to mention. Yeah, I took that straight from Andy Herman's write-up at Packer Report. Andy Herman getting a lot of love, and he deserves a lot of love. He's great. His problem, he's got to stay more balanced, and he's got to keep from falling over. 
So he does have some work, which is why, you know, he's an end of the first round and not a top 10 pick. Second round pick, Josh Myers, center, Ohio State. I have a rule, and I've been talking about this rule the last couple months. I will never complain if you draft an O-lineman, a D-lineman, or a cornerback. You always need those players. But when I first saw this pick, a center in the second round, I groaned a little bit. Because ideally, you don't use premium selections on a center. Vikings would know this with Garrett Bradbury. I think a pick like that is a reach, and it's an overreaction to, like, losing Corey Lindsley in free agency. It's like, oh, we lost our all-pro center. We got to draft one. Well, yes and no. I I know we love Corey Lindsley, and he's a beast, but center is a a pretty replaceable position. Now, our guy Zach Heilprin, the previously mentioned Zach Heilprin, superstar of the show and recurring guest, tweeted this on Thursday night, which made me feel better. Says Packers director of college scouting, Matt Malaspina, him and Zach must be boys, says that Josh Meyer can play all three spots inside, doesn't want to pin him to one. Okay, good, good. I mean, just going for a good, talented interior lineman that they like. Okay, I can get on board with that with a premium pick in the second round. So that's the Packers' second round pick. Their third round pick, Amari Rodgers. This pick is a needle in the haystack, especially for Packers fans, because draft picks never work out like this, ever. Every Packer fan had this guy in their mock drafts. We wanted this guy. He was on our radar. Or not radar. He was on our radar. See, I got Oakland and, and Vegas and Rodgers on the brain. Right, this is a guy we wanted, and it's actually a guy we got. Slot receiver compared most to Randall Cobb, running back body who plays wide receiver, which uh, years later must be very vindicating for Mike McCarthy. Just line him up in the eye and hand him the ball. He is going to be a great compliment to what they already have and a great piece for Matt LaFleur to use in his offense. Love that pick in the third round. I know they traded up to get him. I don't like trading up unless you're trading up for a quarterback because typically the value doesn't work out. But damn it, I want a wide receiver, so I'm not going to complain. And and Amari Rodgers is going to fit perfectly. He's just what they need. He's not their tall, slow guy. He is the opposite. He's their slot guy. He is their change-up to Funchess, MVS, Adams, right? Lazard, just all big, long guys. This guy's shorter, stockier, and really, really strong. And he works the middle of the field, which is something they desperately need. Is, is or Can we do, be done with the Packers for a little bit? I want to get back to them at 5 o'clock, but... We got everything off our chest about the draft, about Rodgers for now, because I do want to show the Brewers some love. Players back in the lineup tonight. Yelich and Kane are healthy. Awesome. And I want to talk about the great weekend our Brewers just had. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Rolling on. Hope you had a good weekend. Rodgers is still a member of the Packers. So if you're judging the weekend off that alone, I guess we're all doing okay. We're surviving. We're getting by. My name is Grant Bills. Yes, I was gone on Friday. A huge thank you to Ebo for stepping up and keeping the beat going. I will not apologize for taking the day off. I got a lot of angry tweets. I, sorry. I need time now and again. Never apologize for taking vacation. Now when you're working work 110%, but when you're taking vacation, take a damn day off. Work on you. Relax. Recharge. It's been a tough year, and I appreciate you, however, Ebo, for filling in on Friday. Did a banging job, as always. Ebo always does a great job. 608-796-2558. It's the talk and text line. You can reach out on Twitter as well, at Wisco Grant. I tweeted this morning, and I made this point right before we took a break, before we get to the Brewers, uh, that I think a lot of Packers fans are in denial that Aaron Rodgers could could very well be leaving this team. 
I think some people are saying, well, we haven't heard from Rodgers. Yeah, we're not gonna. Like, like Brett Favre in 2008, he'd talk openly about retirement. Aaron Rodgers isn't hopping on Instagram live to clarify anything. That's not how this works. This runs through agents. It runs through reporters. It's a war of information. It's not a press conference world anymore. So number one, we're not going to hear from Rodgers. I think there's a very good chance that he could be on a different team this year. And David tweets in and said there's actually a large faction of fans saying, fine, you want to go to the AFC West versus Mahomes and Herbert? Good luck. Right, we'll take three first-round picks and some combination of Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs or if, you, you know, if you're talking Vegas or Denver. Here's the thing, and, and here's the thing that bothers me. Everybody wants to send Aaron Rodgers to Denver, which I get. They have a great roster offensively and defensively. Right, we're talking about Noah, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, K.J. Hamler, obviously Jerry Judy, who's a beat. Like that, that's, that's a fantastic team. But... If Aaron Rodgers gets traded to Denver, we're taking half of those guys, right? I want either Noah Fant or Jerry Judy. There's no way Rodgers goes to Denver and the Packers don't get one of those guys in return. There's no way that we also don't get a Bradley Chubb or a Kyle Fuller or probably more likely a Patrick Sertan, right? Like, we can we can project Rodgers onto this roster and be like, oh, my God, Super Bowl contenders. Well, if Rodgers goes there, honey, that roster ain't staying together because... If Rodgers goes there, those first-round picks are going to suck. And those sucky first-round picks, talking about probably 28 to 32, right? We'll take those picks, but we're going to take some stud young players with them. Because three picks at 31, that ain't going to grease the wheels enough to get that done. You know what I'm saying? 608-796-2558. Mitch and Madison, Goody is a PP head. There's no other way, there's no other way around it. <laughs> you said it, Mitch. Not me. I think we're all a little bit beat over the head by the Packers talk. I actually want to talk about a team that's like, that is near and dear to my heart right now. My Milwaukee Brewers. Because I said this to start the show, right? Like last week, that was a tough couple of days. I was very stressed. I was in the middle of a move. I got my second vaccine last week too, which is awesome. And I'm super happy it's done. And I totally recommend you do the same. But it'll put you out for a couple of hours the next day. I wouldn't suggest trying to move from an apartment to a new house, which is exactly what I did because I'm a terrible planner and an idiot uh, when it comes to things like that. Thursday defeated me, right? The, the, the scoreboard currently reads last Thursday, April 29th, one, me, zero. Like Thursday night, I, I collapsed. I passed away. I was done, and I needed that day off on Friday. And the Packers and Aaron Rodgers were breaking my heart, and the Bucks lost to the Rockets, which I don't – I'm not going to go there. And then my Brewers, our Brewers, carrying the state by the scruff of the neck. God bless Craig Council and company. Just, just taking care of business. TCB, baby. Just casually taking three of four from L.A. But by the way, if we're talking about the Dodgers and we're talking about the Padres, uh, six and one against those two teams who everybody has said, you know, two best teams in the NL and and World Series favorites. And they might play out that way. It's very, very early. But by all accounts, those are two excellent teams. And the Brewers have just taken care of business when matched up against those two teams so far. And in the last four days, the four games against the Dodgers, no Narvaez, no Pena, so they're down to their, their reserve reserve catchers. No Corbin Burns, no Brett Anderson, no Christian Yelich, no Lorenzo Cain. Keston here is hitting like a potato. He's in the minors now. And they just take care of business. God, I love this team. They're so scrappy, and they're just a, just a pain in the ass to play against. Like Colin Wong, I tweeted about this last week. Damn if he doesn't fit this Brewers team, right? He's perfect for this team. He fits the personality of this team. They're just a team you don't want to play. No matter if you're better or worse than the Brewers, you're just a team that you don't want to see. Nobody wants to play the Brewers because they fight. 
above their weight every single game. And by the way, Colton Wong in the last seven days, 22 at-bats, seven hits, a home run, and three RBIs. He's been great. Travis Shaw has been great, too. And Travis Shaw, who's been an amazing story this season, started out the year really hot, and then he kind of tailed off. And I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't concerned. And maybe you had the same thought where it's like, well, he started off great, but is he going to be this way all year, or is this just a hot stretch and a good story? Well, he might not be red hot all year, but he has made a resurgence here in the last week or so. He's up in every big spot, and he had the walk-off hit on Saturday night against the Dodgers when they won in the 11th inning, 11th, 12th, couple of couple of innings in, into extra innings. Travis Big Spot Shaw is up in every clutch moment this year. I Baptism by fire for, for him rejoining the major leagues and, re, and rejoining the Brewers this year. I mean, I'm on cloud nine with the Brewers and my boy Craig Council right now. And I tweeted about it yesterday. I woke up feeling absolutely grand, to quote Jimmy Buffett. And I, I tweeted this. I said, look, uh, today would be a great day for all of you haters to come around on Craig Council. There's plenty of room on the Craig Council bandwagon. I'm not going to hate you for joining late. Okay. You're skeptical. You need to see all the evidence. You're not quick to fall in love with anybody. That's fine. I will welcome people aboard. The Craig Council is the best manager in baseball bandwagon. I've been driving it for two years, and I'm always recruiting. I'm always looking for people. Just like Ebo is still, I'm pretty sure, recruiting for the Mike McCarthy fan club. I will always take people, even if it's a little bit late. I tweeted about it yesterday, and at the time I felt, man, how could haters remain? How could there still be haters for Craig Council? Surely they've seen all they need to see. Surely over the last couple of years, they, they must have watched the Brewers consistently play better than their payroll, better than their roster, overperform expectations, play fantastic in the biggest games in the biggest time of the year. Surely the haters are, are fading away. Nay, the contrary. I got a couple of tweets back and I saw complaints about this and that. Three complaints that I keep seeing. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take three minutes, four minutes, five minutes here and dispel every reason that I saw for the last 24 hours that people still hate on Craig Council. And normally I give out the phone number. Normally you can text, you can tweet. Don't call me right now, okay? This is my moment. Yes, I'm going to lecture you haters. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. You seemingly don't want to hear it, but I'm going to tell you because you need to hear, okay? I don't don't get why I have to do this. I don't get why I have to explain why the Brewers and, and Craig Council are doing this thing correctly. Normally the proof is in the pudding and the wins and losses, but I guess that's not enough for people. So let's... Let's talk about a couple of these reasons that I've seen in the last few days that, that people are skeptical of the Brewers, skeptical of Craig Council. I've heard a lot, but they lost two of three to the Marlins. How can they be for real? They lost two of three to the Marlins. Who cares? The Marlins are a pretty good baseball team, and you can lose two of three to anyone. For God's sake, they got swept in five games by the Pirates in 2018, and that team made the World Series. Almost made the World Series, I should say. Game seven of the NLCS. You play 162 games. You're not going to win 66% of your games in every sample size all year long. Forget about the Marlins series. I don't want to talk about it again. And they were super close to winning like all of those games. They weren't out of any of those games. So pff, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about the Marlins. Number two, I hear this and see this all the time. He pulls his starters too early. He overmanages, whatever that means. If you say that he overmanages, that means the Brewers lost and you're ticked. And you don't like Craig Council, so you're just going to attribute it to him overmanaging, which doesn't really mean anything. Can I, can I tell you something about starting pitching? And I'm going to go out on a limb here. And make a baseball prediction. But I think over the next three or four years is going to pan out to be the case. There will come a day in the near future, two years, three years, sometime in the next half decade, where starting pitching and eight inning starts aren't celebrated. 
especially for teams without huge budgets. Let me explain. Two or three weeks ago, the Brewers lost a game in which Corbin Burns was pulled in the sixth inning, and then the bullpen surrendered a lead, even though the bullpen is a crapshoot early in the year because there's so much information that's yet to be gathered about which pitcher is good at what and when to use him here and there. But everybody was ticked because Corbin Burns got pulled early. Oh, he'd overmanaged. And that same day, Lance Lynn, pitcher for the White Sox, threw a complete game shutout. And everybody said, well, Corbin Burns only threw six innings. Look at Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn threw a complete game for the White Sox. I went back and I found the box score of that game. This is looking, looking at evidence today. The White Sox, in that game, they beat the Royals. The White Sox were up six to nothing after six innings. They're up half a dozen runs. Six to nothing. And Lance Lynn pitched all nine innings anyways, throwing 111 pitches. And some celebrated that. Oh, what an outing. When I saw that, I thought, well, that's stupid. Why would Tony La Russa let him do that? Lance Lynn is making almost $10 million this year. He's old. And it's April. Why would you put three innings and assumedly about 45 pitches of wear and tear on one of your starters in a 6 nothing ball game? That's stupid. That's wasteful. That's old-fashioned thinking. I don't want my starter throwing more than six, maybe seven innings if I can avoid it. A couple of weeks ago, the Brewers were killing. They were hanging runs left and right, and Corbin Burns was pitching, and they pulled him after six innings. Not because his pitch count was high, not because he was struggling, but because they just didn't need him. Let's get the middle relievers in there. Let's throw junk. Let's get Josh Lindblom in the game. Let's roll out Eric Yardley. Let's get some developmental innings for Josh uh, Rasmussen, Drew Rasmussen. Couple of years, mark my words, we're no longer going to celebrate eight, nine inning starts for starters. Like, there are the unicorns, there are the Scherzers, right, and the Kershaws. But for the regular Joes and the regular teams that don't spend $300 million a year, it's about preserving your starters. The Brewers do it really well, and that should be celebrated. However, I think Craig Council's ahead of his time, and we'll see if it plays out or not. That's complaint number two I see. I overmanage all the time. Complaint number three, and this is the one that makes me want to fling myself into traffic. Not in front of a truck, not in front of a semi. It makes me want to fling myself in front of a Prius so it doesn't kill me right away because I want to suffer. That's how much I hate hearing this. I would rather die a painful death than hear this complaint anymore. I am so sick of hearing that you you want the Brewers to bunt. You got to bunt more. You got to lay down a bunt. Some of you believe that we would have flying cars and the Middle East would be singing Kumbaya and Peaceful Harmony if Craig Council would just call for a bunt every once in a while. PSA, the Brewers are one of the smartest teams in all of baseball, which some of you want to resist, which I don't get. If bunting was smart, they would do it. Also, bunting is really, really hard. Did you hear what Craig Council said on the pregame yesterday? I pulled this, and I can legally play this, by the way, if the SEC is listening or, I don't know, whoever's in charge of these kinds of things. All three of our stations, Brewers Radio Network, the pregame will start in less than an hour. This is from yesterday's pregame show. Bob Euchre and Craig Council, and I saved it immediately, and I thought, oh, my God, where have you been all my life? It, it doesn't happen, Craig, or it doesn't seem like it, where maybe there would be a sacrifice put into play, or a guy tries to hit a ball to the right side to advance a runner. I mean, for the most part, unless I'm looking at something different, guys go up there and, you know, really trying to rip and hit the ball out of the ballpark. Yeah, no, there, there's there's been very few situations where I, I think the bunt's been called for. I, I think the bunt is called for a little less in today's game. And, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons is I, I think it's more difficult to bunt in today's game. It, the, oh. But the pitcher's throwing so hard, yeah. I, I think it's 
made it more difficult to bunt. Now, people can say, oh, you just got to practice it <laughs> and all that. It, the velocity has made bunting yeah. very challenging, in my opinion. Um, and so... Um, I don't think that bunt is guaranteed to be as successful because of the velocity. So I think it's a little riskier almost bunting than swinging the bat at times. So I think that's why other managers don't do it as well. And it's also when there's a man on second and, you know, the other teams start with a man on second, is is one run enough sometimes, I think, is what you think. You know, that, that's, that's, a, that's the other question that you ask yourself. I think if the average fan had the chance to do what you were just talking about a moment ago. Turn around and square and face a guy throwing 100 miles an hour trying to bunt. I think they might have a different idea too. They'd much rather hit. <laughs> I, you know, facing 100 is, I'm telling you, it's, it, you'd much rather do it swinging than bunting. Uh, believe me, it, it'd be a lot. It's, the, the fear part of it is, is much easier. It's easier to get out of the way when you're swinging than bunting, I can tell you that. Um, so I think you're right. <laughs> Are we happy? Does that satisfy you for the bunt crowd? Does that make you happy? You don't give away outs. And even if you even if you want to move a runner over, a bunt isn't guaranteed. That's just not how the game works anymore. I, I want to be done with it. I never want to see a tweet or a text or a call that says bunting. No, 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 no. The Brewers are maybe the smartest team in baseball with right now a share of the best record in baseball. Stop looking for reasons to be upset at them. Enjoy them, especially because the Packers are burning it all to the ground and the Milwaukee Bucks are basically a poverty franchise sans 1971 and a couple years in the 80s and 2001. That's it. Celebrate this team, please. They're really, really good at what they're doing. Let's take a break. I do want to give the Bucks just a couple of minutes of love because they won a huge game yesterday, and then we'll get back into the Packers and Aaron Rodgers after 5 o'clock. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Hope you had a good weekend. Settling back into this week nicely. It's a stressful time to be alive. I'm checking my phone every couple of minutes to make sure Rogers isn't shipped off to Denver or Vegas or I don't know wherever he wants to go for some reason we'll get back into the Packers and Aaron Rodgers after five o'clock Brewers pregame will start at 5 35 tonight they're on the east coast playing the Phillies so I will step aside and gladly listen and watch the Brewers with all of you before we get back into the Packers I, I do want to show the Bucks some love I know the Packers are story number one, and the Brewers have won a ton of games, and they're amazing, despite not being able to drop a bunt down, which I think is all you guys care about. I think the Brewers could win the World Series, but if they did so without dropping a bunt down, half of you would still be unhappy. I don't know I don't know what to tell you. This makes me want to fling myself into traffic. I've seen how many NFC Championship game losses in the last decade? None of them. All of them combined don't make me as frustrated as this subject makes me. I don't understand what you all want. The Brewers could win 20 games in a row, and I would get calls and texts saying that they could win 21 in a row if they would simply drop down a bunt. It's not 1943, and it's not kickball in middle school. We don't bunt. But the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, great big, great, great win yesterday. Maybe their biggest win of the season. We do have to show them a little bit of love. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. I think a lot of people enjoyed yesterday's game, even people who haven't really enjoyed the regular season up until this point and Maybe the NBA isn't their favorite thing. I think most people all agreed yesterday, like, okay, this is a 
This is a heck of a game. It was a blast. And I think Bucks fandom really needed that to, like, recharge our batteries a little bit. We lost to the Rockets. And we've seen him lose to this team and that team. We needed something to kind of fire us back up. And yesterday was that game. Giannis was an MVP form. 49, 8, 4, and 3 blocks. Good God. 18 of those points came in what was a really, really dominant third quarter. And I think maybe somebody told him at halftime, like, look, Giannis, uh, DeAndre Jordan is guarding you, and that man's 32. Like, maybe go to work on him. And then in the third quarter, he did. And he was hitting mid-range jump shots. He was going bank off glass. He was, he was showing off post moves. He wasn't just a bulldozer, which is a big deal for me. I like watching Giannis and seeing him be able to score in different ways and not just plowing through three people and getting to the free throw line. This is a really good performance in that third quarter. Showing a lot of different tricks. Some lame NBA announcer might have said, Giannis is in his bag! Which is, we, we got to work on our vernacular as NBA fans because that's just really overused. In his bag! It's, it, no, it's okay. Take, take a deep breath. I don't, I don't know that we need to, we don't need to say that. He wasn't just a bulldozer, which to me is a really, really big deal. It's something that I really like to see. Now, also, I should mention this before we get back into the Packers because I haven't heard anybody say a dang thing today. Chris Middleton outplayed Kyrie as a number two yesterday. Chris Middleton was great. And he had a really clutch jumper with just over two minutes to go to put him up six. Oh, my God. It was a hell of a move. It was beautiful basketball. And it fits Chris Middleton as a player perfectly. When he's feeling it and he's confident, it doesn't really matter how well you defend him. It doesn't really matter how challenging of a shot he's forced to take. It's going in. He's going in. God, that was good yesterday. Chris Middleton outscoring Kyrie on fewer shots. And he was rebounding and assisting, too. I think Chris Middleton really wanted that game yesterday. That's what I saw. In that fourth quarter, he's flying around, getting loose balls. And he was playing with an extra skip in his step, which he typically does this time of year. As the playoffs get a little closer, the competition ramps up. It was really fun to watch yesterday. So good for the Bucks. They deserve to mention, even if I rambled about the Brewers too long. So the mention was decently short. Let's get back into the Packers. Talk more about Aaron Rodgers. I'll share my two cents, and I welcome yours as well on the talk and text line and on Twitter at Wisco Grant. More of the Wisco Sports Show after 5 o'clock.